What is up, everybody? Welcome to the NBA Finals edition of Happy Hour Hoops. We have made it. End of the year, end of the season, NBA Finals incoming. Happy Hour Hoops here. Dunny and Jake, as always, here to break it down. I'm all over the place right now because I'm still excited about the Boston Celtics being in the finals. Lots to talk about today. Probably going to start with a intense Celtics victory lap for me. Yep. With Jake chiming well in here and there because we know we know that Jake's been, you know, pretty much routing with Boston, at least the last two series here. And he has been waiting for this this matchup all year, as have I. Um, obviously we'll preview the finals and then, you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit about the exit of Miami, what's next with them. Give some props to Jimmy Butler, I'm sure, um, because he's he's deserving of that. But yeah, Jake, NBA Finals, we've made it crazy. We've already, you know, burned through another season here and end of the road, oh but God, best I time know. of the year. Oh my God. How is that's the the saddest the finals? Like I love the finals. There's nothing like it. But it's also like just the biggest, like it's so sad and so happy. Like you wait all year to get to it, and then you're like, oh man, like I gotta go. I got yeah, maybe se- maybe seven games left. You're right. It, right. With good luck of the NBA season before we go for a whole summer without it. Um, it, it's been, and this this finals kind of has a lot of pressure on it, just from like a TV like casual perspective, because really the last couple of series, even the second round. Not great. Like not besides Celtics no. Bucks. I feel like that was the only really, really good series we've had the last two rounds. And I mean, obviously, we're gonna talk about game seven here in a second. Um, and that was thrilling in its own right because it's a game seven. And obviously Miami made a late run there, but Boston was pretty much in control even all of that game seven. Like until the end, really, it was like a 10, 15 point lead most of the game, which was not safe at all in that series. Let's be fair. So no, I know you never felt safe up 15 no. at any point in that game felt like it could have been away in two seconds and it was a good game but it wasn't like a like it's not one of the more memorable game sevens like we're, it's not going to go like down as a historic game seven except maybe for jimmy butler which we'll get to in a little bit but we're not talking about the heat yet the boston celtics per- persevered got through another seven game series with the, who was the number one seed in the East, the Miami Heat, won this game seven on the road. They won three games on the road in this series, which is just absurd to even think about. It. Not as absurd when you see the Miami crowd, but that's another thing. But still, just an absurd <laughs> feat for a team to pull off in a conference final. So, Dunny, just take the floor, man. You had – just walk me through your whole Sunday because leading up to – like, Sunday felt like forever for me. And yeah. I can't imagine what it felt like for you guys, especially coming out of Friday – after we didn't even have any toxins game four game six either game six we thought was going to be a celebration in boston all night friday night everything and obviously jimmy butler was not going to let that happen that night yeah. so i guess at the end of game six going into game seven just walk me through like fell and where, where we're at here yeah so so real quick going into game six i was confident you know not even thinking that we'd automatically get it done at home but just the fact that we have two more games to go we just need to win one of them and we're good um so that was kind of my thought process going into game six then after game six all that got thrown out the window i was still i still had confidence in the celtics but it was i did not know how to grasp game seven at that point because i was like (laughs) jimmy butler just put 47 on us and apparently he can do it by himself because that's what he's doing the whole series 
he willed this series to seven. Um, so that going into Sunday, then I was rattled just thinking about Jimmy Butler, him yeah. obviously being healthy again, knee looked fine. Um, and just worried right, that so that, that was, would happen. That again. was the one thing. Were you thinking going into game seven that Jimmy was going to do it again or that that was like his like game six was him unloading the clip? Because I thought I had I was under the impression no way he's going to be able to pull this performance off again. And then obviously he pulls off a pretty similar performance as he yeah. did in game six. Yeah, I didn't think that I'd I didn't think we'd see another forty bomb, and I was right about that. But I mean, he came pretty damn close. <laughs> yeah, as close as you, <laughs> you can know, get. You know, like right? <laughs> he hits that three. He's at thirty eight, I think, for the game. And then you know there yeah. might have been free throws down the stretch too. So he could have easily you know hit that forty point mark again. I did think you know we had kind of seen the last of Jimmy, and the, really the only way they were going to beat us is a team effort, but. Again, it was kind of just Jimmy with like a sprinkle more of Bam in game seven. Um, and I, I just, you know, so leading up to it, super nervous. I also, it threw me off like crazy that in game seven of the Bucks series, we had an afternoon game. But this whole series, I hated how the times didn't change. Oh, my God. So like 8.30, man. Sunday, oh just like waiting all day on a Sunday. Like, thank God it was a holiday weekend, at least. So like, Yeah, that's true. For most people didn't have work the next day. I was, I was fortunate enough that I did not. But, um, yeah, I was, you know, just rattled all day. Finally, you know, game time comes around. And, the, I mean, the start that the Celtics put on, I think they were up like 31-17 out the gates. Um is just a, a, I don't even know if that's what the first quarter ended at, but that's a number I'm remembering in my 32, head. 32-17, pretty sure it was, yeah. You were right close, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> seeing that as confidence. And, like, you know, say what you want about how the game ended and, you know, them kind of letting off the gas a little bit and obviously letting the heat get very close, too close. I'm in agreement <laughs> with that. But if they don't have the start that they have, if they don't really dominate that first in, like, most of the second quarter – they're not in a position to be even be able to let their foot off the gas. So, you know, That's they kind of did themselves favors. They did what they had to do. They came out the gate hot. You were on the road. The Heat were probably always going to make a run in a game seven. You you never have the crowd on your side, even though, you know, Miami's crowd isn't great, whatever. But I was waiting for that. I didn't think it would come that late. I thought once we were up by like eight with a minute left, we were good. You know, Lowry, Butler, and Bam had other – and Struess, obviously, with that huge shot, had other plans. Fucking but, Struess, man. How – how I was so mad when he hit that shot. I was oh like, this God, is unbelievable. Because <laughs> that's what he was in. And the, his only other three, I think, that he hit was that one that bounced all the way around the rim and then came up, hit the backboard, and went back in. Yeah. But, you know, all that considered, it really just shows – how resilient this Boston Celtics group is. It's been their identity all year long. I mean, they were the 11th seed in January. No one believed. Everyone said to blow up the team. I mean, you had, you had like the, the best of the best of NBA analysts saying, you know, the Jays will never work. When are we going to trade Marcus Smart? Um, you know, everything. Just, you know, the, the amount of – the fact that conference finals appearances were being – used against the Celtics earlier this season. It's crazy because <laughs> they've been to, you know, X amount as with this core for with this core and, you know, haven't been able to get over the hump yet. And here they are. They get over the hump. All props to, to Brad Stevens. And this year, you know, not calling it quits at the trade deadline, making minor moves 
to make the Jays and the and the Boston Celtics sure. better. And credit to Dan- Danny Ainge for not blowing it up, you know, the past two, three years when for sure. he could have easily done that. You know, he could have been like, hmm, Jalen Brown, good piece. Can we get a star for him? You know, we, we know that it, th- there was at least rumors that that could have happened a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But Ainge and Steven stayed the course. Um, and here they are, you know, winning a game seven on the road to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's it's mind boggling, man. It's really it's really still hard to grasp and even take in at this point. Like 2008 was the last time or 2010 was the last time they're in the finals. 2008 was the last time they won. Like I was 11 years old the last time they won. I'm 24 now. Yeah, it feels a lot different this time. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Like (laughs) I I know a lot more about the game now. I'm, I'm, you know, more invested in different ways. We Mm -hmm. have the podcast. Like it is, it's a crazy time to be alive, and everything about this feels so great. Obviously, job not finished. Another thing I love about Ime Adoka, you know, keep saying how in Boston we don't we don't hang conference championship banners, which is awesome. Um, yeah, I do. I'm just on cloud nine right now and I, I probably won't come down until tip off on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. The, when the, when the reality sets in of what yeah, the situation is going to be, then, then I'm we'll, locked in again, <laughs> which we'll get into later on. Um, yeah, man, you said it perfectly. I'm, I'm very happy you gave credit, credit to Danny Ainge. Cause I was going to do that a little bit here. I don't have much to add to that. What you just said, you put it beautifully. And as a Celtics fan there, I think that that encapsulates the moment perfectly. I just want to reiterate the fact that this team, like you said, kept it together for five years. This is basically the same core that lost in game seven to LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals 2018. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's Jason Tatum. It's Jalen Brown. It's Marcus Smart. It's Al Horford who was there that year, right? I, I believe mm-hmm. so, yeah. Like, yeah, these guys are all – Al's obviously back. That's a, it's a, that's a whole different scenario. But it's the same, like, core four, core five – the guys that they've they've ridden with through all these years, all these different hiccups that they've had, the Kyrie experience, which I think kind of delayed the delayed the the breakup of this team because they could kind of look at it and be like, listen, that was the issue. That it wasn't these guys. And maybe if it, you know, maybe if he doesn't show up, maybe it goes differently in a good way or a bad way for this team. Um, I do think that Jalen Brown was in every superstar rumor, whether it was Kawhi Leonard whether it was Anthony Davis, any of those guys, James Harden, like Brown was involved in all those smart was involved in trade rumors, obviously up until this year, like he's defensive player of the year. And they were, there was talks about getting rid of him at the deadline to try to, to rework this team. Cause like you said, 11th place in the East, they were looking, they were 500. We were talking about how over 200 games, they were a hundred and a hundred in their last, you know, 200 games. And they clearly flipped that on its head in the second half of the season too. Like there were just all these things that was like, this team just isn't working. It's not, not that it was bad, but it just wasn't good. And then it, it, it all flipped. There's a lot of good reading and stuff that you can talk about. There's a film session. I, I read an article about between Ime, Jalen and Jason Tatum earlier in the season that they point to, which is around the time where that the tweet came out, the energy shifting, whatever it was, it, 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 it it's this is this is what this team the players vision, only meeting the players only meeting whatever this is what the vision has always been for these at least these two stars even throw smart in there what a what a star team could like what a real contending team could look like around them a defensive juggernaut who clearly can get hot offensively at certain yeah. times um i think and that's just the that's what they've always wanted to be that's what brad stevens wanted them to be 
they've had great defensive teams in the past. Ime has been able to take that to another level. I think that also comes with just the, these guys growing into the defensive players they are. I just, I just want to give credit to the organization for sticking through because how many teams blow it up after a couple years of disappointments, even getting close to the precipice, blow it up after getting to those points. And this team never did. And now they're they're in a position to to win an NBA championship. That's all you could ever ask for. Yeah, and it's like I feel like the things we've touched on is kind of bigger picture, but even you know, outside looking in just to the beginning of the season when they were, you know, two games below five hundred at twenty three and twenty five at that point. The NBA today, you know, I don't think the Celtics as an organization would ever do this, like specifically to their team. But how many teams across the league would we maybe see fold their hand at that point in yeah. the season and tank for a draft pick? Or, and granted, you know, we had already traded our first round draft pick for this year, but you, you know what I mean? Just kind of yeah. give up or give in, like a, a Sacramento Kings or the Pelicans in years past. Like, mm -hmm. that is not a rarity in the NBA anymore. They didn't give in. And shout out Ime Udoka, man. First year head coach. For sure. It was looking bad. He was starting to get blamed, you know, around that January point. Is Oh, was he the right guy? This and that. He has gotten the absolute best out of his players. You know, we could talk about the Jays and Smart and everyone up and down on the roster for getting these road games accomplished and winning game sevens on the road or winning a game seven against Giannis. Like, yeah. Ime deserves his credit there too. You got to rally the troops. You got to have good halftime speeches. You got to make your players trust you, trust the lineups that you're putting out there. Everyone bought in for this first year head coach. And, you know, now he's, now he's on his way to his first NBA finals as a coach. And it's <laughs> it truly amazing. Year. Yeah, it's nuts. Crazy. It is nuts. But it's a credit to Ime for getting the most out of this group that's been there and a group that you know, he he obviously wanted to put his imprint on, but we, as we just talked about, we hadn't seen it yet. We hadn't seen them break through. And sometimes it just takes series like this. And that's really what this series felt like as we put a bow on the Celtics winning this. We'll touch on the heat quick. Um, it just felt like the breakthrough to get to, like, they just needed all the hardship. Like, they, everything's been hard for the Celtics this season for the last five years. They made it hard on themselves in the Bucks series. Obviously, there was a lot of injuries at play and such as well. They made it really hard on themselves at times in this heat. This, this series should have been done in five. Like, the way this team basically so. threw away two games with turnovers and just sloppy play and letting Butler do what he did in game six. I mean, he was incredible, but, man, there was they were just – it was just a sloppy – a sloppy couple games in there in that series and that's a, more of a credit to the celtics i think because that's how damn good they are really as a team like they've basically been up double digits i don't know how many games in this playoffs but it feels like at least every other game they're up by double digits or at least at one point in a game they're up by double digits before things kind of spiral out in different positions like this is a team that's been dominant in spurts throughout the playoffs not just good like dominant and even though they've had these two seven game series you can clearly point to some of these games and be like this is what happened like this is not this is not something that is typical this is an anomaly for how this team usually plays and i think that's really the biggest thing i'm looking at going into this into this finals yeah i i, I think you're right i think every game except one and in the miami series um in particular they led by double digits yeah just and that one obviously... game where they they crawled back was the only one that um that that didn't yeah so let's uh 
let's give some discussion to the Miami Heat here as they yeah. they Jeez. man. I never some thought that decisions. was gonna be a seven. I thought it was gonna be outdone in six, no matter what. Friday night, I was as confident as ever that that game was going to be done. Yeah. I didn't think Jimmy Butler had it in him. Oh. And I just want to give it like, just give a shout out to Jimmy Butler for putting on two of the most historic performances, one in a win and one in a loss. Um, we'd remember the game seven. If they pulled that out, especially if he hit that shot to go ahead, we'd remember literally remember that forever. Um, I don't want to dwell on the shot too much. I didn't agree with it. I understand why you'd want to take it. It's a transition wide open three. Jimmy Butler's mm. not a great three-point shooter, but man, he was killing it for two games. Like he was pretty yeah. much 50% for two games. So it's a good look. I understand why you want to take it, especially it's you make this shot, you're probably going to the NBA finals. That's what he's thinking. Like he trusts they trust their defense. Oh, I think, stop I think I think they win hands down I, if he makes that shot. Yeah. And but for me, like with 20 seconds left on the clock and you can get a shot up, I'm just more partial to wanting to at least not even i don't even care about a timeout or anything but at least like set up or at least get the clock stopped and try to draw a foul or do something rather than a pull, a pull up three just like it's just it's the most frustrating forward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he and 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 late in the game like he didn't have his like it fell short after playing fell short. all 48 minutes <laughs> yeah there's a reason it yeah. fell short because he was out of his yeah, legs I don't, in I that don't moment he didn't would have so. their legs yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not like, I'm not hating on the guy. Like, I understand why he made the decision. It just doesn't, it, it's easy to look back and nitpick it. But in the moment, even, like, as it was happening, after he took it, at first I was terrified. I was like, oh, shit. I was so scared, bro. And then I was I like, was... that was dumb. Like, I immediately, I was texting anybody. I was like, that, that was a dumb shot. He shouldn't have picked up that shot. He shouldn't have picked up the dribble, everything. I just didn't agree with it. And I think it's a sad way for them to go out because he's a guy who prides himself. Literally earlier in the series, he's like, I wish I wasn't taking any threes. And then you take a three yeah. to go to the NBA finals. It just seems like he got caught up in the moment. And if he hits it, he's a hero. He doesn't, he isn't. So that's why we're talking about it, whatever. But it wasn't true to Jimmy's identity that he's told us what his identity is. That was the biggest thing that bothered me about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm pretty much in agreement with you. I, I lean a little t more towards like being okay with the shot. But the the best way I can describe it, how I feel about it, is I think it was a good look, not the best shot though. So good shot, not the best shot that you could have got. He could have taken he had, a second to set up too. Like that's the, like he didn't have to take it. He could have set up. Really. He had Horford backpedaling, and then Horford eventually stopped. He could have set mm -hmm. up, or you know, I mean, Horford. I I will give Horford his flowers all day long of how good a defender he is. No one could stop Jimmy Butler in this series. So you yeah. make one hesitation move, you probably get an easy layup, or the very least you get fouled. Then you have all sorts of options. You can mm -hmm. hit the first one, miss the second one on purpose. Or you can hit two and you still have 18 seconds on the shot clock and foul. Yeah. My biggest thing, I think he had he had only deep on his left. You could tell before he, he even he, shot, and obviously this is you know me breaking it down from watching it like five times at this point, not what was going through Jimmy Butler's head. He had only deep on his left, and you could tell that if he did try to continue dribbling, Jalen Brown was gonna overcommit. I don't know if Jimmy wants Oladipo. I don't think he was passing. That I, that's what I was going to say. He, yeah. he, was, he probably looked at Oladipo and was like, I am not passing to this man for, for this in this moment. And, I and the, reason, the reason that I'm in agreement with that and I think overall think I'm okay with the shot is because 
no one else deserved to take the shot except him. No, no. I mean, Lowry was terrible. There was Hero. Was Lowry was terrible all series. Found. Hero, I mean. I don't know why Unless they tried to play him. I think that they just thought he would be able to go and he just couldn't. Like, but it was yeah, it was clear he so, wasn't gonna be able to offer much. Unless he was really that immobile though. Like I want like I feel like Jimmy should be mad at either the staff who put Hero in that position or Hero. Like Hero must have felt a little weird like watching Jimmy play all 48, who also dealt with an injury earlier in the series. Of course, I think Heroes is a little more serious or significant. Because he would have been in there, but it yeah. still just must be such a weird dynamic. Because then you're getting, you know, Gabe Vincent, Oladipo, Max Struess. Like obviously Jimmy's taking that shot, and uh, and he deserved it. So I, I agree with you. Where like obviously not the best look that you could have got, and it's really, really, really do or die in that situation. But no one else deserved to take it except <laughs> him. So no, I wouldn't want anybody else to take it, and that's why that's why I'm ultimately I'm okay with it. Like. In the moment, I was if I was a Heat fan, I would have been losing my mind at him taking that shot, taking a couple yeah. days, like looking at it again, looking at the totality of the situation. Like you mentioned, the way the game had been playing out, it was a good look. It, it was the best look. It was the best three point look to win it, the game they were they were going to get. Like if they ran a play, right? They weren't getting as clean of a look to win the game like that. And I'm sure that that's what Jimmy's thinking too. He's like, "What? We're going to run a play for fucking Max Struess with the season on the line to hit a three? Like, like he knows what he know uh, also." He knows what Spo is going to want to do. Like, this is a guy, like, in this moment, he's probably not thinking all these things, but I think he is thinking at least a little bit of this. Like, I want to be the guy to take this shot because he knows that it might not end up to him if they stop the play or they slow down or they call a timeout or whatever. That's just the way that this team has always worked. So it, it, it's a hero ball opportunity that I don't think any human being in the NBA could pass up hitting a go-ahead three to to go to the NBA finals. I mean, we, we talked about leading up to Sunday, like you guys being nervous and such. And I was like, man, it's a blessing to be like as nervous as it is. Like it's a blessing to be nervous. And it's funny. Cause I've been saying that now magic Johnson saying it on the ESPN promos. Yeah. He's like, he's like, you should be nervous. It's good to be nervous. I was like, thank you magic. <laughs> thank you for vindicating me. But that's what, but in that moment, it's probably like, the one time anyone's happy that magic <laughs> has the same take as them. <laughs> Literally the only time. Um, but yeah, man, like there's nothing else. Like it's, it's literally what you dream of as a basketball fan player, like those kinds of moments. So I can't hold it against the guy for trying to, trying to take that. Like, no. And it was a good look. Like it was a good look. Just, just didn't go down. So glad it was short. So what's next for Miami? I mean, what's here's the biggest thing for Miami for me. There's two things, bam, or I guess three things. Bam is going to be incredible. No matter what. I think bam still has room to get better. And he's really the building block. I think Jimmy's still got some run. This dude is just going to be yeah. a beast whenever. The two things that the two outstanding things that I'm interested in, Lowry as an old point guard who clearly couldn't make it all the way through a playoff run. And you know how I feel about my old I point guard. I think guards. Lowry's gone. I, he might have to be. Like, it. Like, are you really going to – is he worth having on this roster? And what does Oladipo look like next year? Because Oladipo looks pretty good in this playoff run. He obviously came back – like later in this year, later than they thought he was going to. So he's still kind of working himself into like their system, into shape, everything. But he had he played great eight season. regular season games. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Crazy. And Literally then he was getting like nothing. massive run in game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> so he was he one of the brightest. A whole players. summer, a whole summer, a whole year with the team. Like, I wonder if he could be the third star that they were looking for Lowry to be in this playoff run. And Oladipo could yeah. actually be that. 
going forward next year because if he can stay healthy i don't see why he can't get back to like a third star level player like i don't think he's ever going to be consistent enough to be an, an all-star again but could he be a 19 point a game 20 point a game ish player for them i i really think so so those are the the lowry oladipo dynamic and what they do there this summer i think is the biggest thing to me and duncan because clearly they're paying him 90 million dollars and can't put him on the court in a playoff series absurd. like that what the fuck are we doing contract. here yeah <laughs> it is absurd yeah he's um it's it's crazy that hero is the one being called the bubble boy and it turns out that Duncan Robinson might just be the actual only bubble boy because he really <laughs> hasn't done much of anything. Obviously, you know, he's had games here and there. And I like Duncan Robinson. I was honestly kind of preaching for the Celtics to go after him at the trade deadline. I wouldn't want to absorb that contract, but I do like him just, you know, I mean, he's a great shooter. That's why he's in the NBA and he's good at what he does. But I think yeah. – I don't know if it was Coach Spo individually or, you know, teammates or whatever. Someone or something killed his confidence. And when he was in the game, he looked like he shouldn't have been. Um, <laughs> so that's how I feel about Duncan Robinson. My biggest thing is, uh, you know, similar to you, I think Oladipo will be fine. I think, you know, they should give him a pivotal role in this um, on this Heat roster. I think Lowry is going to be gone. I, I think you can't be happy with the way he played. I mean, other than game six, Gabe Vincent outperformed Kyle Lowry in this entire series. And that's just a fact. And then I, you know, I also wouldn't be all that happy with his post-game comments. He said this is a wasted year after game seven, which he's a guy who's won a championship. And I think people who strive for championships or, or have won multiple or have won one recently – you know, they might have that same thought process, but it just sounded negative. And to play as poorly as he did in that series and then for that say to something be like that. Comment, yeah. I don't know. It didn't sit right with me. And I would assume it didn't sit right with at least some of the Heat organization and players. And he was just bad. He was just downright bad. He was a yeah. liability on defense. He never really got his shot going until like the last two games. And game seven, he really wasn't all that impressive. Game six, he had a great game. Um, and then Jimmy, I, I think Jimmy's going to return. I would assume you you think so also. I believe he has a player option for this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. Um, 36 yeah, I can't million, imagine. I think he can opt into, which I don't. I can't imagine you know, he opts out of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm thinking too. And I think he, I think he loves playing for the Heat. Um, I think he likes that it's like finally has his team. And he's obviously, you know, done very well since he's been there. So, yeah, I think looking forward, you know, they better just hope they can secure Jimmy, keep him happy. And I, I think Bam needs to be more assertive. And I think Tyler Hero needs to start next year. I don't know. I, I, I think it's too cute taking him off the bench. It's like he's clearly your second best scorer, third best player. Like yeah. he, need, he, he needs to be on the floor. Find, and, a, find another bench piece that can do what you have him doing right now and put Tyler Hero in the starting lineup. I mean, Gabe Vincent – would be a great bench bench unit guy. Max Schuess would be a great bench unit guy. I agree with yeah, you wholeheartedly. I, think, I, think I don't. I've never. Starting lineup. I've never understood the hero six man thing. He barely played as a six. Like he he was effectively not a six man on the roster that just wasn't starting. And I think that that hurts your continuity when it comes to games like this. Yeah. When guys I think aren't about in the those starts that you game. can have with him in the starting lineup. Like, yeah. 
just having a weapon, like he's clearly a weapon that people think very highly of in NBA circles and such. It's just, yeah, it's always been strange to me that if we talk so highly about this dude, why is he not just in the starting lineup? He's not Manu yeah. Ginobili. He's not a creator. Right. He's not a. He's not running the. He's not running the offense. Like he, it's not like he's the initiator when he comes off the bench. He's just the lead, you know, go-to scorer, and that, that's mm-hmm. a role I feel like you can. He could be a supportive sorter on a good team for sure. And Ginobili was doing that like the tail end of his career, and it was kind of like a strategic thing. And you know, they had already won what four or five rings at that point. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, where you know this is not. I don't know. I I just, in my opinion, it's just like one of those things that's like it's too cute. And I think Coach Spo is a fantastic coach. Props to him too because you know he's he's a big reason that the Heat made it seven games. Yeah. But yeah, I just, that's just something I don't I didn't agree with from the beginning of the year, and I I will be shocked if he's coming off the bench again. And I, I think sure. it, it will be a mistake. Yeah, and I feel bad for Hero too, like getting hurt in this series with yeah. a groin injury. Groin injuries are so tough. tough. Like, there's nothing you can do about that, but just wait. Um, and he was pretty good early in the series. Like, he had some bad, like he had some bad shooting nights this whole playoffs. But like we said earlier, he was getting to his spots. He was still a guy that, like they didn't have a lot of guys that could create their own shot or get to their own spot on the floor. It was basically Jimmy and a little bit Bam. You know, depending if Rob Williams was in the game or not. But like Hero could have helped them in certain situations and. Yeah, like, but that's it. That that's it. Like, health is health, man. Like, everybody was beat up the series. The Celtics missed guys throughout the series. The Heat missed guys throughout the series. It just is what it is. You can't use that as an excuse. Um, they got to seven games. They got to within four points. Like, there's not a lot. There's not a lot much more you can nitpick. Like, they. This is a team that probably shouldn't have even been in the seventh game. And so that's what I'm agreeing with you on that Lowry quote. Like, man, like appreciate. Like, take take stock of where you guys actually were here. Like this, it didn't feel like a seven, like it should have been a seven game series. I think the story would coming out if they won would have been more what the fuck happened to Boston than this right. team is amazing. And I think that's really telling. Um, so speaking of that, let's get into the NBA finals without yes. further ado. We'll have a more, um, I don't know, I guess we're just going to have another preview. I don't want to say more anything. This is going to be plenty, plenty good here, but we're going to have another preview right leading into game. We're just closer to game time. Yeah. More props, more betting, more betting talk. We'll have more of a crew here. Just kind of make it a party is who doesn't love game. One of the NBA finals. I'm going to be missing game two live. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a tradition every year that somehow I book myself on one of the early games of the NBA finals. So I'm leaving that to you, Dunny. You're going to have to keep me, keep me locked in there. Let's go. Um, I will but do that. The rest of the series, I, I wouldn't miss for the world. The NBA finals, my favorite thing in the world. Your, I'm sure yours as well. There's nothing mm-hmm. better. The drama, the, the drama you get of a game seven, it basically feels like that every finals game, like the tension, just yeah. everything. Like that's really what it, like, that's why our game seven finals is just, otherworldly like you don't even know what to do with yourself because just every game of the finals is so tense um so let's go back to 2008 2010 for you so what do you remember from watching nba finals that the celtics have been in that you mm. think is gonna like feel similar or that you think has changed in the last 12 years Because that's a long like every and other fan bases so are looking at Celtics changed, fans man. today and like what 12 years for like quit complaining blah 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 but yo like this is a team that's been there basically every decade of their whole lives like it, it is it's a different it's a different stratosphere so i want to hear how you guys feel about it yeah 
also to those people who say that they're probably also the same people who are like you guys haven't won since 08 like shut up it's like you we can't win in that regard <laughs> exactly and i don't even mean it. i understand boston sports as a whole i'm spoiled but the people who come at celtics fans i think makes the least sense because and then then because they're like and before your 08 title you haven't won since 86 it's like all right I, I don't know what you want me to say. Like, we're in the finals now. Like, yeah. But anyway, that's not neither here nor there. Um, first thought when you said the thing, thinking back to 2010, 2008, is just like how different entirely the game was. Oh, yeah. Like, pace, score. Like, there were scores in the both those Lakers series where, you know, it was like. 82 76 final scores and yeah. like that game was seven, like on the regular. game 7 2010 was 83 79 and that was to the tune of 37 free throws for the los angeles lakers shout out yeah. to crawford on that one um yeah like that was a that game was a slog that ever told you my game seven story about that series so this is like my so. this is like my like three like i just posted earlier the game like i go to that started my real basketball fan then was broad 2017 2007 beating the pistons game seven another game seven mm. incredible whatever so obviously i'm like i'm i'm still young like i was only what we were like 13 in that age so still super young but definitely like really loving basketball like starting to finally love the game whatever and so as a lebron fan naturally you were a kobe hater at that point had to go against kobe yeah. on all things no matter what even against the boston celtics who had just eliminated the Cavs and I knew LeBron was leaving and everything. I was like, no, nah, I can't cheer for Kobe though. I can't cheer for the Lakers. So game seven, I'm outside running around and I got the biggest cut on my foot that I've ever had in my life and had to watch the first half in a hospital bed oh <laughs> at my, my local hospital. Dedicated though. I made sure I was like, yo, you will put this team, you will yeah, put me throw in a that on TV now. and put that game on. <laughs> so that whole first half, I remember just a white hospital room. So that's my dedication wow. to the Celtics. Um, did get home in time for the second half. Was not as disappointed as you were probably, but still very disappointed. But yeah, that's just a fun little, fun little sidebar for me because that that's what I always remember from that game is being so excited before it and then just being like, oh my god, I can't believe that I have to be in the hospital for this first half. It was a, it was wow. a really humbling moment. That is crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just I feel like thinking back to those finals, like big things for me are just defense and just the shot making now in the NBA. Like, yeah, it's just it's crazy to think about. Like, I speaking I of remember, shot making, the opponent that you guys keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> that, I, that's, that's like thing. that is where my mind goes because you know in those series, even then it was like. I don't know. There was guys on the Lakers like Derek Fisher, who like he was even one of like their better shooters. But like they had guys like like Shannon Brown, who we actually talked about in our text group the other day. Uh, I mean, World Peace hit two of the biggest threes <laughs> in that uh, in that closeout game in 2010. But like he wasn't really a shot maker. Like there were so many James Posey for the Celtics. Like there's so many di different James guys Posey. who got so much time who weren't shot creators or shot makers. And now it seems like every guy in the eight ro man rotation, nine man rotation. Yeah. Like if you don't have like the five shots this year, if yeah. you don't have like five like, shot creators, you're screwed. Yeah. It's, it's, it really is wild. Like I think 
probably the only guy who I wouldn't consider like a shot creator on the Celtics right now that is playing in these playoffs is Rob Williams. Yeah. And like, other than that, everyone else can pretty much create their own shot, which is just wild to think about. Yeah. I think, you know, basketball as a whole, that's the biggest difference I see from the, the last time the, uh, the Celtics were in the finals and even the stars, like we're getting to the point where Tatum is, you know, near, not, you know, career wise or, you know, what he's done for the city yet. But as far as skill goes, like Tatum's on his way to passing Paul Pierce, like already. Yeah. And then you look at a guy like Jalen Brown, like Ray Allen was fantastic. He's, and obviously I'm not saying Jalen Brown's past Ray Allen yet either, but Jalen Brown's skill set is a lot more versatile than mm-hmm. what Ray Allen had. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just crazy. You know, this, this duo that we have and then going up against the duo that the Warriors have, it is, All right. it is going so, yeah. to be a bonkers. So that was, that was my next question for you. As I've told you many times on this podcast and any other time about how terrifying it is to play the Golden State Warriors in a in a NBA Finals, and now you guys are just lucky enough that you get to experience the same thing. So, what are your thoughts um, heading into a series with the Warriors, just knowing what you've seen from them from the outside looking in perspective um, in past final? I mean, this is let's talk about the Warriors for a second. Six finals in the last eight years. They obviously Crazy. dispatched of the Mavs. I saw a stat that's it's the only the only the Lakers, um, Bulls, and Celtics are the only other teams who have made six finals in eight years in NBA history. So that's it's literally they they now that is the Mount Rushmore of dynasties. The Warriors are are the fourth team in that. You can, I don't care what anybody else says. Like that is the fact. Unless you want to put LeBron's face up there next to like Lucky yeah. and the Lakers go and and Jordan. Like that's the only really other option you could do. Um, this team is just, it's an incredible run of greatness. Um, so yeah. So what's your feeling going in, just knowing what you've seen them pull off in finals and just this year too, like this team is obviously much different than those dominant teams in the past, but Mm -hmm. they're here for a reason still too. So the, I guess the positives for the warriors, but the negatives for me, I'll start with, um, I mean, Stephically just, it's basic. They're unbelievable. They're the splash brothers for a reason. We saw. We saw Clay still has what he used to have, um, you know, towards the end of that Maverick series. So, you know, that's something to watch out for. And thinking about and talking about, you know, double digit leads um, in the Heat series for the Celtics and, you know, kind of having a bunch of blowout wins just in the playoffs so far. The flip side of that, the Celtics can't get down by double digits because they're not they're not going up against a team where it's easy to chip back against. They're not going up against Kyle Lowry this time around. They're not going up against a bunch of undrafted guys. They're going up against the Golden State Warriors, well-coached, you know, a top 10 player all-time, in my opinion, on the other side. Great defense on the other side as well. It's it's worrisome. Like, they, they can't make as many mistakes as they've made on this journey so far. And it, it will show, you know, if they get down big, the Warriors aren't going to let up. If the Celtics get up big, the Warriors can always climb back, um, you know, like they let the Heat do a couple of times. So that's that's where I'm worried. But where, you know, something I'm looking forward to or maybe a bright spot for the Celtics is this might be the least physical matchup we've had since Brooklyn. Like Milwaukee and Miami were super tough physical teams. 
that are really going to get into you outside of Draymond, who I don't know how much time he's going to spend trying to defend the Jays. They, they should be able to get to the basket more than they have in the last two series and, you know, just feel a little less pressure um, with the, you know, drop. Uh, with, I don't know, the lack of physicality, I would say, compared just compared to the last two series. I'm not saying that the Warriors aren't physical at all, but I think I think we do have an advantage there. I think, yeah, I think there's a noticeable physicality difference. Um, I will say also the Warriors are a team prone to the turnovers battle, just like you, the Celtics are. I mean, the Warriors, mm-hmm. that's the, that's been their fatal flaw since 2015, is that they're a team that plays loose with the ball sometimes, and they really can't get out of it. And it's part of that free-flowing offense that they run. Um, but they turn the ball over a lot. I don't think it's going to be nearly as physical. Um, and it's a, it's, But it's, it's clashing styles, which is why it's so interesting to me, because the Celtics – have so many more options to go big. Like they could, they could start Thursday with Allen, Rob on the floor together, and who knows? I don't. Will the will the Warriors match that with Looney? Is Looney even going to be as effective in this series because he doesn't have a size advantage like he had against Dallas, um, or when he was effective against Memphis? And Memphis literally pulled Stephen Adams off the scrap heap and was like, "We need to muck this up more Crazy. because Looney's killing us." Looney's not going to do that against Robert Williams or Al Horford um, no. at any point in this series. So my inclination is that the Warriors are going to go small more often and try to try to get the Celtics to play at their pace. But I don't I don't think that's going to hurt the Celtics as much. Like unless getting like getting Rob Williams a space is not a good idea. It's it's not. Um, and and also, so I just wonder. Go ahead. No, just going off that point. Um, if you know if the Warriors elect to go small that doesn't mean that the celtics will take horford out of the game which is the craziest part like the, no, the celtics will play small with horford at the five and like he's more than willing the best matchup switches the best matchup in this series for me is horford versus draymond because i think they're going to be matched up pretty much a hundred percent of the time i can't imagine either team not wanting them on the other guy just the way that their size is and just like like you said if it's a if it's a lineup where maybe rob's not out there I feel like Al, Al and Draymond would be the two small ball centers there and would be going at it. Mm-hmm. I'm just very interested to see what those two do matched up against each other because they're both so smart um, and obviously have huge roles in the connectivity of both offenses and defenses, but really the offenses, specifically with Draymond. Yeah. We know how much of an effect he has on their, on the Warriors' offense and the flow of their game, but but Al too hit yeah. Al's playmaking and Al just hitting those spot those spot up shots or being able to to get out of those situations when you know someone's on him. Like those those kickouts to Al are so important, especially when Tatum's getting all the attention he's gonna get, which I imagine the Warriors defense, I imagine the Warriors and Celtics defense for both Steph and Tatum are gonna be similar in that it's gonna be triple teams and sending everybody blitzing pick and rolls like they're just gonna take the ball out of those two guys hands and make beat you all game um and that's that's what i feel like it's really gonna come down to both those guys are very capable of that obviously but i i can't imagine boston defending steph any other way i can't imagine the Celt or the warriors defending tatum any other way but what do you think about the two stars and how you think they're gonna get defended uh in this series Ooh, yeah. I mean, I think Tatum's been seeing double teams um, all playoff long, and he's only really improved in his playmaking when being doubled. Obviously, if you know, there's a few outlier games where he turned the ball over far too much, and I think he was trying to do too much at that time. 
I think we'll see doubles. I'm curious as what the what the Celtics will do to Steph though, because on the Brad Stevens coach teams where they did have success against the Golden State Warriors, they kind of just elected to keep Draymond open and just let him shoot from outside <laughs> good, whenever he good, wanted. Good decision, yeah. Yeah, and they would double Steph and Clay when necessary. But this is obviously the best defense we've had, you know, since Brad Stevens took over and until sure. this point. So I think we'll see a lot of Derek White in this series. I think there'll be a lot of help on Steph, but I think they're just going to throw White and Smart at Steph all game long and really, really, really try to bug him. Because Smart's a better, you know, perimeter one-on-one lockdown defender. I think White is better at chasing people off ball and like staying with shooters on the perimeter. He yeah. proved that in the Heat series. He was staying with Struess, Hero when he was healthy, Duncan Robinson when he was in there. Um, even Oladipo, he, uh, Derek White was really good at that. And, I mean, he, he kept himself in the game with his offense and hitting shots. I, just, I think we'll see a lot of Derek White on Steph when, uh, when Smart's not able to. But Smart and Steph is just – that alone is must-see TV for this entire series. Like, that, that's going to be so exciting, man. A lot of drama, too, obviously, with the, the injury – yeah well not i mean step the injury was real the the intent i guess is what is the the quotations there with that that whole drama i'm sure warriors fans are going to give it to marcus smart um as much as possible you know it's some sneaky drama that i'm actually looking forward to and you reminded me of it when you brought up the horford and draymond i think grant williams and draymond will go at it at least twice this series honestly i want i want draymond to just punch grant right in the face it would make me so happy (laughs) he probably will deserve it he'll probably deserve it no that's the thing he already does deserve it he already does deserve it just he talks he talks and like everyone else kind of let him get away with it this playoffs like it ain't gonna happen with draymond draymond's not gonna (laughs) let him get away with it i think we're gonna see a couple double texts I think we're going to see both of them like looking wicked stupid with like their foreheads pressed against each other, just sweating all over each other. Like a crazy Dude, flop from Draymond, I'm sure. Grant complains more than any role player I've ever seen in NBA history. Yeah. That man had compl- in game seven, he was complaining about every single call that he had he hits the him, floor no matter what so it was. hard like i feel like he <laughs> injures himself half the time dude but i love grant you know this isn't me yeah, hating yeah, but no, i do yeah i do think this is very much alive where we see some crazy grant williams and draymond battles well and grant is probably going to be trying to get under his skin too because draymond is one technical away from a suspension again isn't he or is he or two technical like he's pretty close to suspension close. territory i believe I actually think tatum when he got close too because he got ejected in that Memphis series, right? Didn't he get the two? Yeah. He got the two texts and then he was out. I think that put him mm. very close to getting. I think he's either one or two away that if he gets them, that he's suspended. And that's, we've seen that 2016, that that obviously was the big uh, game changing thing in that series when he was out game five or out game six, whatever game. I don't remember it. I think it was game five, pretty sure. Um, it, it, so that's something to watch for with him, too. Um, Another thing I want to talk about here is Brown and is you mentioned Clay and, and Jalen Brown. Obviously, the two the two co stars to the superstars. Clay, shout out um, Jalen Brown, man. Clay, and yeah, I mean, just what incredible. Like the thing I'm worried about with him though is, and with Clay as well, and they're for much different reasons. Clay obviously coming off injury, whatever. They both been inconsistent all playoffs. 
um Jalen I, I can never know which game is going to be the good Jalen game or the bad Jalen game I feel like I predicted them wrong all playoffs so I'm going to stop trying to guess what they are Clay Clay had an amazing game five he's had some amazing spurts but he it doesn't know I don't know if he can get there all the time now in the NBA finals did he maybe did he turn a corner in that game five and now this is like just such a relief off his shoulder for him to finally be there and he can kind of play freer I don't know I'm interested to just see like how those two support their stars because they're both going to have to come up with huge games at some point in this series for them to win. Jalen's been inconsistent. Clay's been inconsistent. What do you think about those two specifically? Yeah, I think a lot for the Celtics is riding more on Jalen than um, Clay for the Warriors. I do think I agree with you that Jalen's been inconsistent, but I think like his point totals and his scoring has been steady enough where it's almost seemed consistent. And the, the parts where he's been inconsistent is kind of falling asleep on defense here and there. And then obviously the turnovers. I mean, that the dribbles. The turnovers is the biggest leg, thing, yeah. It, it's pretty much the only thing. Like, but it, it, it just so happens to be something that's inexcusable in playoff basketball, let mm-hmm. alone now we're in the finals and against a team like the Warriors who likes to get out and run and will kill you if they get out and run. Yeah. So I'm in agreement there. Like he cannot play like that. But where I will give Jalen his props is I think he's been the the best number two throughout these entire playoffs. Like out, outside of Jalen Brunson's 41-point game. I don't think any other number two in the playoff has scored a 40-point game. Yeah, and that's and he was and he had the number and he was the one that game because Luca was out. So true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. So like, I one, I just like I can't like say it enough how good Jalen has been, and obviously you know Tatum winning the Eastern Conference Finals MVP, deserving. But Jalen is very good, and I think. Every series, I don't think people have been ready and other teams have been ready for how good Jalen Brown is. And we might see some of that with the Warriors. Like, I I don't think there's a guy outside of Wiggins who can check Jalen Brown on the, on the Golden so State a, Warriors. You just brought my next biggest point into this, so I'll, I'll fold it into here and let you keep going. Because Wiggins is the biggest key for the Warriors to me because I don't know who else – they really have to dispatch against the Jays. Like unless Draymond's getting some of that responsibility, Clay's going to have to, but he's not going to be able to keep up. Poole will probably get some Brown time, but that's a matchup that Brown should be able to take over. Oh, um, and then we're talking yes. about Kuminga, you know, Bielitsa, like Iguodala, not who hasn't played all playoffs. Like they don't really have a lot of options to throw at the Jays. As you're mm-hmm. dr- drinking water there. Sorry, I should have kept my point going a little longer, but you know what no. I mean? Like, you know, like that they really don't like that. My biggest key, like if I was thinking of the number one player who could really flip this series for either team, it's Andrew Wiggins. Because if Wiggins plays like a superstar, like if he plays like how we've seen him capable of playing, where he's putting up over 20 points a night, he's a menace defensively, he's getting all kinds of boards, whatever. It's gonna be a hell of a time for the Celtics to have to worry about Wiggins doing Wiggins shit on the wings and then all those guards and the shooting and everything. But if Wiggins is just over there, we've never seen Wiggins in this moment. We don't know what he's going to look like in this kind of moment. He's he's faded away in a lot of them, to be honest. So if he's like a non-factor, then you're asking three. Clay's not smaller, but he is smaller than those guys, like three smaller guards to go through a physical matchup and put up the scoring 
against this team, this defensive juggernaut. It's just asking a lot. So Wiggins, I feel like, is like thrust into the spotlight, honestly, in this series. I think um I think you're absolutely right about Wiggins. Wiggins scoring scares me a lot too. Like if there's a game yeah. where we're doing well containing Steph and Clay, and then all of a sudden Wiggins three balls going down. And then that makes us respect his jumper. And he, I mean, we know how easily he can get to the rim. And if he gets either of the Jays in foul trouble that way, like there, there's just a lot of things that scare me about Wiggins in this series. So I, I'm worried there. And another guy you brought up earlier, you know, when we first started talking about the Warriors, Kaminga, I think is the biggest X factor for me. You know, I don't know how much Ronnie's going to get. And like, this could end up being a stupid take, but he's a guy who is 19 years old, fearless, you know, really, he actually might be 20 now, I don't know. But 19, 20 years old, fearless. He's played great minutes when he's gotten in in the playoffs so far for the Warriors. And now he has this opportunity because he's kind of like a hybrid wing forward where he's really physical, really athletic. And, you know, I wouldn't trust him to stay with the Jays for an entire game, but he's someone who they're going to throw at Brown and Tatum when he's in there. He works the offensive glass. Like, I think this is someone that the Celtics could accidentally overlook and he could play super well and definitely in the first, you know, one or two games that happened in Golden State. And it could kind of catch the Celtics by surprise. So I think Kaminga, someone to watch. Obviously, he may not see much time if Iggy does end up coming back along with Gary Payton. But yeah. We'll see. Oh, I wasn't even thinking Two about question Gary marks. I do think that Kuminga is going to, like, he's going to have to get some run at least in game one and two because they're going to need options to defend. And I think that, yeah. especially at home, like you said, that's a good point about one and two because he might get run in game one and two. And then once they get to Boston, like, sit down, buddy. We're going with seven guys yeah. tonight. Like, that could be the case right. um, when you're looking at that. And it could get down to, like, I could see the Warriors basically going to a seven-man rotation in this series, and that, that we're this is yeah. not crunching time. Like we're going to see that probably from both these teams eventually. Like I could see it getting to a point where it's like an eight-man rotation with the Celtics, and basically just Pool and um, Pool and Looney, like or Pool Looney, Kaminga, like that combination coming off the yeah, bench, dude. and that's pretty much it for the Warriors. Do they even have like a need slash use for Bielitsa in this? I can't imagine the series shooting playing. like it's nice yeah. to have him on the floor, but I mean, that's a matchup nightmare. This is going to be if all, he's guarding any forward. All these adjustments in this, like we've been talking about the Celtics defense. We haven't given enough credit to the Warriors defense. Also top five in the league all year long. They've been one of the best defenses throughout Steve Kerr's runs. Um, no matter what, like that, that's a th- credit they didn't get for the, their earlier runs too, is how good their defense is. That's what all these matchups are going to be dependent on for both these coaches, all the adjustments, everything. Mm-hmm. It's all going to be defensive adjustments and everything. So the, that's where these teams both make their hallmark. That's at least these coaches believe that they make their hallmark. It's ball movement and and defense. It, 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 that's why it's yeah. very interesting because they they run they, like the styles are different, but the tenants of the of the basketball that they want to play for both these teams are very similar. Yeah, they're like core values are the same, but they just exactly. do it in different ways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's because of the built makeup of the teams too. Like the Celtics are are driven by two, you know, big scoring versatile wings and obviously the Warriors are driven by by guard play and movement and getting their shooters open and everything else and and it's it's such a it's such an interesting style matchup with these two teams like going into the series 
I'm just I'm just excited for the basketball. Like I feel like this is going to be the best um, the best played series we've seen so far by far, and I think we're going to get some really really exciting games just from this matchup, just the way these two teams match up against each other. Amen. And uh, you know, talking about the coaches and the philosophies of these teams, like it reminds me. I want to say three, four years ago, maybe 2017-ish, Steve Kerr, you know, gave praise to the Boston Celtics and said that this is the team of the future. Mm-hmm. Here we are four, four or five years later matching up in the NBA Finals. Um, I think this is probably one of the – and maybe this is a little Celtics bias, but probably one of the more highly anticipated finals matchups we've had just because, like, um, it feels a little different. The Warriors are back in, like – I know no LeBron, which you know most NBA fans. Yeah, no, I would say I would say this is the yeah this is easily the biggest since since 2016. Um, Yeah, and that had had a whole lot of history behind that. Um, Obviously, the Spurs and Heat, the second one, the the rematch was probably more highly anticipated just because of what happened the year before. But I don't think that compares to like a first time matchup in a while. Um, Yeah. Yeah, like this, I would say. Yeah, I would say since probably since that 2016, then you probably have to go back to the Celtics again, Celtics Lakers, because that's just yeah. Celtics Lakers. Um, the Celtics and Warriors, they last met in the NBA Finals in, I let me see, it was the one and only time against the Warriors, the San Francisco Warriors at the time, the 1963-64 season. It was Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain going at it, and the Celtics won the series 4-1. to one even though Will averaged 29 points and Bill Russell only 11 in that series. Wow. That's, that is wow. the only time in NBA history. Um, Bill Simmons went through a <laughs> couple other times loud. that the I think that there was some times in the 70s there that they should have matched up with each other and they just missed each other. One, like each back-to-back years losing in the conference finals or something like that. Mm. Or maybe that was before this finals or whatever. There were two other times that they were very close but this was this was the only time it was another Russell Chamberlain matchup, um, and the Celtics obviously came away with that as they usually did. Also, I don't know if you saw this today. How crazy is it that um, Ime Odoka? It must have been in Steph's first or second year because he looks super young in the in the photo. But Ime Odoka, when he was with the Kings, I believe, when he's with the Sacramento Kings, playing against Stephen Curry in his first. Oh or second yeah. Year. Yeah, that was now awesome. he's now he's coaching <laughs> against them in the NBA finals. Like, you know, one of those things that we, we kind of see that in sports sometimes where like, you know, like I'm sure like Nash well, has gone into it a few times a good as first year coaching. Here's a good one is that there's a picture I saw the other day of Darvin Ham guarding a rookie LeBron James, the yeah, new coach. Yeah, that That's was wild. awesome too. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. You know, we're getting it's like a testament to both the greatness of like Steph and longevity of longevity of Steph and LeBron, and then it's also like the just greatness of guys like Ime and Ham who had a you know decent playing careers and then are you know we'll, we'll see what knew, happens they, with Ham. There's a reason but, they stuck around the league for a while. Like that's right. clear. Like they're, even whatever happened, basketball minds. Poor Darvin Ham's in a horrible basketball situation, but the dude has been like for three years has been. I've heard his names in interviews talking about how he's right. like the next one, like along there with Eme. Like they was those guys Coach always Bud came up sp- always spoke highly of him. Exactly, yeah. So I think yeah. that yeah, it's really cool to see those things kind of play out. Um, I don't know. Do we want to get wait till predictions for Thursday? 
I don't I don't know mine yet to be honest. So I'm kind Dude, of yeah, I've I've kind of I've kind of needed some time. every series I've kind of been taking game ones just to like digest because yeah. the last two game ones the Celtics have had they've lost and then won the well, series in seven. So I'll have a pick before Thursday. I already put money on a pick, but I'm I, that's just Ooh, that's different. Yeah, save it. That's different. Yeah, that's that's, that's a, a good tease. Story. But um, yeah, I have actually have, I have a couple. I have money on a couple different picks for this series. Actually, I posted them on Twitter. So if y'all want to go see them, like that's fine because I was arguing with Maniac. Maniac, who thought that you were you were tweeting from the show account. I know defending I, the Boston Celtics. I, I, and I was that. like, it's really not. But like, I don't know how to just. <laughs> Yeah, First no, of all, Maniac, disrespectful. This is the one that I could tell you. This game is not – the series is not going five games. No. There's no way. And whatever the people think about the Celtics being tired or whatever, they got four days of rest. They're going to be just fine. They'll be they're, fine. They're going to be just – and they're the legs. younger team. The Warriors are yeah. the old men. They got they're, legs. The, they're the fucking old guys. They're the Aside guys. Aside from Rob Williams, we got fresh legs. Yeah, and Rob's just going to be hurt the whole season. But Rob, like you said earlier about the physicality, Rob's not going to be banging down low with Bam or Jimmy Butler or Giannis. Like, life and is going to be so much easier for Rob Williams. We saw how effective he can be in just 15 minutes of play. Like, he can get That's you true. three blocks in 15 minutes. Like, no, obviously not ideal, but I mean, we'll take yeah. it. I'll take a hobbled Rob over no Rob. The last, the last point I wanted to make, I meant to bring it up when we first started talking about this. This is crazy to me. This is the largest finals experience, so like games played in the NBA finals discrepancy since Jazz yeah. Bowls in 1998. The, the, yeah. the Celtics team has every player has a combined zero finals <laughs> games played. Which is crazy when you think of like guys like Horford and Smart. Like obviously we know, I know, and like most people know that the Celtics never made it since Smart's been in Boston. But it's still kind of wild. Just like he's made the playoffs eight out of eight years he's been in the league. Obviously no finals games, and then Horford finally made it to his first NBA Finals. He went. He had the longest active streak of playoff games played. It was 140 without making the finals. Here they are. I think the Warriors team have like a hundred. 123, 123 I say. yeah it was 123 yeah. it's which is nuts yeah just just berserk um so i don't think that matters that much to be enough. honest no I, I don't think it does either but it, it is a wild stat yeah i think that the celtics this team has been through enough like the finals it's gonna be no i don't know like maybe the lights get them it'll be different bit, but yeah but it's it's always different yeah the finals yeah. is different no matter like the energy is different there's so many like just from what I've heard from players talking, like you just step on the floor and it's just like way more cameras, like way more people close together because it's coverage from, yeah. it's no longer just NBA it's coverage. Buzz. It's no more, it's no longer just like, you know, local beats. And then obviously as the playoffs go on, like Nash, some national writers go on. It's like every national writer, every local beat from around the country is it like every yeah. NBA team sends their beat writer to cover the finals. You got people from all over the world coming to cover the NBA finals. Like yep. there's just so much more energy around the whole event and the day leading up and everything else. I think that's the only thing. But once the game gets going, it's basketball, man. Like if the moment's gonna be too big yeah. for them at any point, then they don't they don't it know what fight they're happened. getting into. Exactly. Yeah. I just think that this I I guess here the last thing I'll leave with you is my advice in going to a series with the Golden State Warriors. And it's just the runs are gonna come. Like, the, like yeah. the thing about the Warriors is that inevitably they're going to go on like a 20 to two run probably multiple times in the series. And you're just 
it's going to feel helpless. Like there's no, there's no defensive adjustments you can make. There's nothing. You can't get back harder on defense. You can't like the only option is to make your shots, like basically. And even that doesn't really help sometimes because they're just executing at such a high level that it doesn't matter. And Steph, especially like the Steph explosions, they just happen. And you just kind of have to like keep your composure after them. Like if you, if it's a swing that you're down 10, or up 10 and all of a sudden down five because the Warriors just decided to hit a bunch of threes. Like you can't just be like, oh shit, here we go. Like it has to be steady the course, keep going. Like that was the thing that always impressed me the most about LeBron in those series is those runs would happen. And throughout them, LeBron was running the the same way, the same offense. There was no, no hesitancy and no like speeding it up. It was the same. It was the game plan that they had the whole way through. Yeah. Just do what you run your offense, do what you need to do, play defense, let them get theirs. They're going to get their craziness and have faith that you're going to come out and be able to defend enough at the end. I think that's like the biggest thing is riding the wave because it's going to be yeah. it's going to be ups and downs, with, ups and downs with the Warriors more than any other team in the league. Like everybody goes on runs, but it's different with this team. Yeah, got to deal with the haymakers. Yeah, it's it'll be fun. It's there's nothing like it. There's literally nothing like the the piercing of your soul on a bang from Mike Breen when Steph hits it is just. Is oh different. my god! Which first that and I was just I was watching a wrestling wrestling show at the same time as Game Seven, so that made my watching experience much different. But I was so thankful that like personally Mike Breen wasn't on it. I didn't miss his great call. Mark Jones was good, but he wasn't no like it felt. I was watching it and it felt more like a regular Sunday afternoon NBA game at times because it was Mark Jones doing it and not like yeah. And I was like, I know this is game seven. It definitely feels more intense, but like, man, I just wish it was Mike Green. So shout out Mike Green. I hope you're feeling better. Prayers up, recovering nice. And I hope we get to see him Thursday night because it's not the NBA finals without without some Mike Green bangs in there. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt, man. This is, it's going to be something else, but this is why it's the finals, baby. Yes, Let's go. All right. All right, let's wrap it up here. We'll be back Thursday for our preview, our our predictions, all that good stuff. We'll have some guests around. Donnie's gonna be freaking out, probably sweating on this on this stream the whole time. But we'll be we'll be ready to go. What you got? What are your last words here? No, that's that's just that's you nailed it. That's that's, that's, that's exactly what's gonna be <laughs> on Thursday. <laughs> it's gonna be a blast, though, bro. Oh my, I can't yeah, believe no, that. I can't. Believe I'm excited more than anything. I can't believe Let's that we're go. here. It's been Let's go it's only our uh, second and a half year into the podcast and the Boston Celtics made the NBA Finals. We tried to get it done for three years. Know, we've, picked, we've been speaking we've really, it into existence. I think everything we've said about the Celtics like has finally come true this year, like about the young core, about everything they've needed to like get done, like go their way. It, it's just finally happened this year. So I'm excited to see them in a spot that I think they've been destined to get into since four years ago like since they were on the precipice and i just really love as a sports fan one of my core tenets is to not break up your promising core until you like have no other option and the celtics did that and they're a test it's a testament to their organization and just i mean they obviously lucked into some breaks to get the talent that they had you look at like obviously like the next trade and you know the markel fultz trade for jason tatum which is gonna go down as one of the biggest steals in nba history the fact that the celtics traded back to get jason tatum and the first two players ahead of him are never gonna be all-stars like i'll say that right now never gonna be all-stars like that is just bizarre. Oh the God, lakers man. bro the lakers were like nah we got lonzo we'll be set 
Yeah, and now just, every Lakers fan is convinced that Tatum's going to to play yeah, why, in he's Los wearing, Angeles. He's wearing one day. a Kobe armband one day, one day. Yeah, okay. All right, Lakers fans. We don't need to get into Lakers fans. I just wanted to bring that up. No. Like it's just they, they've the the Celtics have obviously they've had some good luck along the way, but it's been smart team building and staying the course. And it's what the Warriors have done too. Like the Warriors, everybody get everybody tries to knock the Warriors because of the KD shit and everything, which. We didn't even touch on the KD stuff today. I didn't wasn't even really interested by it. I think KD's just salty in general about everything right now. Um, I don't even know. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Even um, with the with the Draymond, a little bit of beef. We'll get into it later. Whatever. Um, I just think that that Warriors have also been a team. Clay drafted and developed. Steph drafted and developed. Um, Pool drafted and developed. Draymond drafted and developed. Like the main core yeah. of their team. Wiggins obviously like. He got acquired in a deal, but he's not a star. Like he's not one of their core players. Like these teams really did it the right way, both of them. And more teams should be looking to that um, rather than quick fixes. So anything else before we go? No, I'm in total agreement there, man. Like it's this is the like best product of basketball you can have for you know all the reasons you just said. The shot making that we were talking about earlier, the storied franchises, and yeah, NBA seventy five finals is you know the the modern dynasty versus the greatest historic dynasty. Like it's it's really like all you could ask for. All right, for Donovan Holden, this is Jake Micah. Follow us at Happy Hour Hoops One. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back Thursday night, game one. It's gonna be a blast. Um, So yeah, stay hydrated. Have a great week, folks. Yeah, and keep it locked here for all the finals coverage. Peace. Later, guys.